Thank you so much for listening to the Mesa and supporting the work that we're continuing to do on the West Mesa murders. If you like the podcast and want to support us even further, there are two ways that you can do that. The first is by subscribing to our podcast wherever you get your podcast so that you get the newest episodes at the exact time that they're available. And please make sure to leave us a five-star review because that helps other people discover this podcast. The second is by going to our page at patreon.com. There are several levels that you can subscribe to, and subscription gives you access to exclusive content not made public anywhere else. We'll be posting extended interviews, key documents, and other information pertaining to this case. We love our listeners, and we want to continue to make great content. You can help us do that. Go to patreon.com slash the Mesa and become a patron today. Hi everyone, it's Tierna, and I hope you're staying safe out there and social distancing as much as possible. I wanted to give a quick shout out to the healthcare workers, public service workers, and those in the food industry that must stay open. You guys are the real heroes right now. This episode is going to be a little different than was originally planned due to staying inside, which of course is almost a dream for most podcasters, but it does make it a little bit difficult here in New Mexico to do face-to-face interviews. That being said, we've put together something as much of a comprehensive profile as possible of Lorenzo Montoya. Nearly a decade after police uncovered one of the city's biggest mysteries, in 2009, a woman walking her dog near today's scene at 118th Street and Dennis Chavez found a bone. The mystery of the West Mesa women now officially stretches into a second decade. Community members held a ceremony this week to honor the 11 women and one unborn baby found buried in a mass grave on the west side of the city exactly 10 years ago. It's never been cold. It's never something that's been put up on the shelf. I I believe there's more women up there. Between 2001 and 2006, an alarming number, at least an alarming number to those who were paying attention, of women were going missing from the streets of Albuquerque. There were at least 17 women estimated to have gone missing during that time period. In 2009, the remains of 11 women and one child were found on the Mesa to the west of the city limits. No arrests have ever been made, and only a handful of persons of interest have ever been named. It is the largest unsolved murder case in New Mexico. It is also the work of a serial killer. Many believe that there are still remains of at least six women somewhere on the Mesa. My name is Tierna Unruh-Enos. I'm a local journalist in Albuquerque who's followed and worked on the case of the West Mesa murders in Albuquerque, New Mexico. From the beginning, there were not a whole lot of clues pointing law enforcement in the direction of who killed the 11 women found on the Mesa. In fact, no suspects have ever been named in the case. There have, however, been a few persons of interest, and two of them have remained publicly the only persons of interest in this case 11 years later. While there hasn't been enough evidence to charge either of them, there's also been enough circumstantial evidence not to rule them out. One of those persons of interest is Lorenzo Montoya. Lorenzo worked as a printing pressman at Starline Printing, which published several publications, including the daily newspaper, the Albuquerque Journal, and at the time, the Albuquerque Tribune. 
Lorenzo Matthew Montoya was born in 1967 in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Montoya was 39 when he was killed on December 17, 2006, outside his home in southwest Albuquerque. According to the investigative report filed by Albuquerque police, Montoya contacted Sharika Hill, who was 19, through an escort service online. They met at a location just off of the freeway, which is about 15 minutes away from his house. Sharika Hill agreed to follow Montoya to his home in a gated trailer park. On the way, she picked up her boyfriend, Frederick Williams, to come with her to Montoya's house. Williams hid in the front seat during the ride so that Montoya wouldn't know that he was in the car. According to Williams, Montoya didn't want Sharika to park in front of his trailer. He wanted her to park near the entrance gates to the trailer park. Williams said he didn't feel comfortable with that, so Sharika followed Montoya to his trailer just to see where it was and then went back towards the gate where she left the car with Williams in it. Frederick Williams waited in the car for about an hour before he became really nervous that Sharika hadn't returned. He said he tried calling her phone and with no answer. He tried driving through the trailer park looking for her, but he couldn't remember which spot Montoya's trailer was located at. As he was driving, Montoya, who was posing as a security guard, remember Montoya did not know that Williams was in the car and Williams hadn't seen Lorenzo Montoya face to face yet, told Williams that he couldn't drive around the area and that he would need to park by the front gate. For the next 10 minutes, Williams says he kept circling the trailer park until he saw what he believed was the security guard in front of a trailer. Montoya was exiting his house with a large object wrapped in a blanket. That security guard was Lorenzo Montoya, and he was exiting his house with a large object wrapped in a blanket. Williams says he stopped in the middle of the street and Montoya dropped what he was carrying in the blanket on the ground. Williams said he was afraid it was Sharika in the blanket and he got out of the car and started walking towards what was on the ground. He told Montoya he was going to call the cops and went to go get his phone from his car. Williams then told police that Montoya followed him and pulled out a gun. Williams pulled out his own gun and shot Lorenzo Montoya six times. When police arrived, they found Montoya dead on the ground in front of his home and Sharika Hill was naked, bound by duct tape, and her legs were wrapped in a blanket. She also had duct tape wrapped around her neck. Homicide charges against Frederick Williams were dropped because it was ruled that the shooting was in self-defense. All of the evidence gathered at the scene corroborated with what he told police and what neighbors also told police. Days after Montoya was killed, police told media that they were looking closely at Montoya's past and if he had had any other involvement in missing persons cases in Albuquerque, especially because they were looking for several missing prostitutes. The chief of police at the time, Ray Schultz, said that they were looking at Montoya because there was a good chance that this wasn't the first time he'd committed a crime like this because it was just too brutal and that it was the type of crime that was much more methodical and planned out. In Montoya's trailer, police found several guns and a roll of duct tape. Aside from those items, not much was released about what had or hadn't been found in his home. Police were able to obtain Montoya's banking records to corroborate Williams' statement about Sharika being hired online, and it matched with the timestamp of Lorenzo taking $300 out of an ATM on December 17th earlier in the afternoon at a location that was near the area where he met with Sharika and had her follow him to his house. In addition to the money, 
there were some other purchases that could have indicated whether or not Montoya planned the murder of Sharika Hill. On December 16, 2006, the day before the murder, he purchased a comforter from Target for $45. There was also a purchase on December 16th that same day from Macy's department store that indicated Montoya had purchased several blankets for about $35.99. And there was another purchase from Macy's on December 16th as well, showing he purchased yet another comforter for about $16. Remember, Sharika was wrapped in a comforter when he was carrying her out of his home when Frederick Williams saw him. There were no other items in his financial records that pertained to the crime scene. Police did reveal that they had done DNA testing on the carpet and other items in the house after 2009 and tried to match it with the DNA of any of the women buried on the Mesa. No matches were found. Then in 2016, Albuquerque police released a video to the media that they had retained from the trailer that was part of a collection of homemade sex tapes on VHS. They released it to the media to further along the idea that they were still looking at Lorenzo and why they were still looking at him. We're going to play a clip of the audio from that videotape. The sound quality really isn't that great, and keep in mind it was made about 19 years ago. In the videotape audio, you will hear what sounds like duct tape, and also what sounds like possibly a trash bag. None of this is obviously hard evidence pointing at Montoya and is totally circumstantial at best. It is, however, odd and a bit disturbing that he made a tape of this and kept it in his house. In addition to the duct tape video, police released still photos of two sex workers taken from a VHS in Montoya's collection that they wanted information on to make sure that they were okay. Police have since said they've been able to track down most of the women on the videos and that they're still alive and all okay. None of the women featured on the VHS videotapes were victims found on the Mesa. There are also several other prior cases involving Montoya that popped up on police radar after Sharika's murder. In 1998, Montoya was arrested by an undercover officer who was posing as a sex worker after he tried to pick her up and pay her $40. Then Montoya popped up on the radar again in 1999 when he was arrested on rape charges after he was followed by an undercover officer after he picked up a sex worker near Central Avenue in Albuquerque. The officer followed Montoya's car to the Sunport, which is Albuquerque's airport, where he parked nearby. After several minutes, the detective went up to the car and found the victim inside naked and crying. She told the officer, quote, This guy forced me to have sex, and I told him that I wanted to be let out. She told the detective that Montoya had choked her and hit her in the face. Those charges against Montoya were later dropped. In the past 11 years, Lorenzo Montoya has been referred to as both a suspect and a person of interest by the media. 
I asked Lieutenant Scott Norris to explain the difference between a suspect and a person of interest, and why Montoya has never moved to being a verifiable suspect despite the murder of Sharika Hill and the past arrests and allegations. As of right now, I would say that they're persons of interest. Okay. Um, I think that when you know you hear, and I think it depends on maybe um, the media outlet that you're either listening to, watching, or reading, mm-hmm. is going to refer to them as either a suspect or a person person of interest. Unfortunately, I think that um, certain media outlets probably don't know the difference between the two, so they just connect them together. Well, if he's a suspect, well then, or if he's a person of interest, well then he has to be a suspect. So, what is the difference? A suspect is somebody that we have articulable leads, facts on that we believe that we are very, very close to establishing probable cause with charging person, charging this particular person with a crime. A person of interest is a lot of the leads that we get keep on circling around and pointing to this person. And that process of elimination that I talked about earlier is that's what a lot of investigations, a lot of people don't understand about investigations. It's not necessarily, your approach has to be different and it's like, okay, I'm gonna find out who this person is. Yes, that's what's ultimately what your goal is. But there's a process that goes into that and that is a process of elimination. So it's just as important to eliminate people mm-hmm. because it's basically, you can't see the, for, the, the, the forest through the trees, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what it's doing, it's trying to, clear out all that, for lack of a better term, white noise, so you can concentrate on, listen, this is what the facts are telling me, this is what scientific-based evidence is telling me, this is what interviews are telling me, this is is what uh, any other types of leads that may come into the investigation, this is what this this is telling me, and it narrows your focus. So a person of interest is somebody to where you've conducted that process of elimination, and it's narrowing your focus on a particular individual, and you're focusing on that. Is it harder if one of those is one of those persons of interest is dead? <clears throat> yes and no. Okay. No, um, because as technology kind of grows and, and helps us out, we still have we still obviously that's somebody's DNA that we have. So right. any leads really that we have, we're, we're constantly retesting DNA. While Lorenzo may be the number one suspect for some, there is another name that has remained in the public eye and the media for the past 11 years. Next time on The Mesa. The Mesa is a production of Periodista Productions and is produced by myself with special thanks to Shadi Al-Rusan, Carolyn Carlson, and countless others. If you have any information about the West Mesa murders, please call the 118th Street Task Force at 1-877-765-8273. You can remain anonymous.